Uh, I've been carrying y'all in my spirit for a couple weeks, uh, Mercy Culture Waco in the city of Waco. And I, and I feel I have a timely word uh, for y'all, especially um, preparing to end uh, the season and the year of dunamis and strengthening and fortification and then transitioning into the new year and the new word for next year. Uh, I believe this morning will be a strengthening of the identity of Mercy Culture Waco and reminding who you are and why you're here. And so let's, let's jump into it. Let's jump into it. We got Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one, a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the people of Israel. And then jump to verse 17. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell is in good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was a season of the first ripe grapes." Jump to verse 25. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to the, all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Malachites dwell in the land. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell there. Verse 30, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for we are, they are stronger than we are. And so they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. Uh, the title of this morning's message is Spiritual Inheritance, the Will of God. And I'm here to tell you that your spiritual inheritance is found in the will of God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you in this place. We love you. We ask that you would speak to us. We desire to hear your voice and your voice alone. God, we thank you that no spirit but you, Holy Spirit, are welcome in this tent and are welcome in this city. God, I thank you that witchcraft has to go and Holy Spirit come. The spirit of religion has to go and Holy Spirit come. Truth has to reign in this city. Jesus, you are the highest authority over Waco. We say the spirit of adoption come in this city. Say the city is yours, this morning is yours. We ask that you would speak to us. Your servants are listening, Lord. Amen. Amen. If you didn't know, Mercy Culture's vision is to take people from corporate encounters with God to daily personal encounters with God. And the reason why I said I feel this is a timely word from the Lord is, our culture and our heart here is to seek God and hear what we, he has to say and then to steward what he says. 
And so when we say corporate encounters, daily personal encounters, we had a corporate time here together this morning, but then as I sought the Lord, Pastor Jordan sought the Lord, that we are having our personal encounters with the Lord, seeking his heart, his mind. Everything life is about is about getting to know him and doing life with him. And so if you uh, aren't yet members of Mercy Culture and you're looking for a church and a place, I encourage you to pray into where that is. Uh, you can text CONNECT to our all-inclusive number 59090. And this is really our discipleship process, but more so, it's a way for you to find out how you best connect with God. Uh, one of the connect ways that you saw in there was reformation, uh, that the lady was praying over Israel. And so there are many ways you can connect with God, and our heart is that you would find how to connect with him, because in the end, that's what, all that matters in life, is connecting with the Father and doing life with him. Amen? Amen. Well, what, what is inheritance when we talk about inheritance? Well, if we look at uh, the English definition, we'll, we'll ask Mr. Merriam-Webster to help us out here. Something that is or may be inherited, property, genetic qualities, possessions, or heritage. Uh, but let's look at some Hebrew words of what inheritance is. Nakhala, something inherited, an occupancy, an heirloom, an estate, or a portion. Another Hebrew word, Yerusha, it's to take possession of. And then you have a Greek word, kleronomeho, it's to receive, obtain an inheritance, to be an heir, to receive an assigned allotted portion, is to become a partner or to obtain. An inheritance essentially is the right to a possession uh, because of an association. Uh, God has a spiritual inheritance for you. If you look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 14, it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless. Verse five says, he predestined us for adoption. Uh, verse six says that he has blessed us in the beloved. Verse seven says, we have redemption through his blood. If you go on in this list, you find there's an inheritance we have that lists off in Ephesians 1. Spiritual blessing, chosen by God, holiness, adoption, blessings, redemption, forgiveness, grace, knowing his will, salvation, and the Holy Spirit. We, as believers, have received a shared inheritance. In Jesus, there's a shared inheritance as a body and family of God. You find in Hebrews 1-2, it says that in the last days, he has spoken to us by his son, Jesus, whom he appointed the heir of all things, from whom also he created the world. So Jesus has inherited all things. And so our shared inheritance is in the one who has inherited all things. And then you see in Romans 8, 16 through 17, it says the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. So we are co-heirs with Jesus. So everything the father has given Jesus, I get to partake in that same inheritance. And so when I feel like I don't have enough or I feel like I'm lacking, I need to recognize my feeling does not necessarily dictate the reality that's in heaven. This is why we even cry on earth as it is in heaven. If you're even seeking the Lord for provisions, maybe the prayer you say is, hey, the provisions in heaven, come down now. Be here now. Not only are we co-heirs, but you find in the end of Ephesians chapter 1 of these verses 13 through 14, it says, we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. 
That word guarantee is arabon. It means an earnest. You ever put down an earnest money expecting to purchase a property? So in the kingdom, when we receive the Holy Spirit, that is a deposit or a guarantee of the fullness that you will receive. And so essentially what we have here is we have faith in receiving that Jesus paid the full price for us. And then we have faith that we receive the kingdom deposit of the Holy Spirit as our earnest money. And then in the end, we await the fullness of our inheritance. So even though I don't feel like his kingdom has fully come, I recognize that it is coming and it will come. See, the thing about the kingdom is, again, it's not feeling. It's, there's something that we call a spiritual awareness. And so I have to get past what I feel. The world is obsessed with feelings, living off of base how you feel. But in the kingdom, you live off of what God has said. And when I hear and see what God has said, then I partner knowing since he said it, he will do it. And even if he hasn't done it yet, maybe I don't realize he is doing it. I don't know about you, but do you see him working right now? probably feel him working, sense him in your spirit, right? But like right now, I'm, I just see this white canvas right there. Like I don't see God working right now, but I feel in my spirit he is. He is working. I even feel my spirit as I'm sharing his word and we're hearing his word. He's working. He's working. God has specific portions for you in our shared inheritance. So we all have a shared inheritance. But my question is, what is your specific portion that he's allotted to you, given to you? Is it a position of authority? Look at Esther 4.14. If you keep quiet at a time like this, Esther's told, deliverance and relief for the Jews will rise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made for queen just as time as this. Maybe a portion of your inheritance is a place of influence for his kingdom. Maybe a portion of your inheritance is a victorious lineage. Uh, look at Genesis 22.17. God tells Abraham, I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. Is it a victorious lineage? Maybe your uh, portion of inheritance is a city. Joshua 6, 16. At the seventh time when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Is it a city? Do you carry a city? Is it Waco? Is that why you're here? Is his portion allotted for you maybe a nation? Let's look at Psalm 2.8. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. Whether it's a place of influence, a victorious lineage in your family, a city, a nation, whatever it may be, there is an allotted portion that God has for you in our shared inheritance. Let's look at our main passage here, Numbers 13. What was God's portion of inheritance to Israel? Let's look at this. The Lord, verse one, spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. So their inheritance, their allotted portion was the land of Canaan. And do we not recognize now that is still being attacked and God's allotted portion for them? Holy Spirit, we even declare right now peace and shalom in the Middle East. We declare the hearts of the Jews return to you. The hearts of the Palestinians would turn to you. The hearts of Hamas would turn to you. The hearts of Hezbollah would turn to you. The hearts of the Iranian leaders would turn to you. We say Middle East, turn. Turn to the Lord. God, we declare your will be done. Amen. Amen. See, God's will was for his people to dwell in the land of Canaan. 
The spiritual inheritance that God has prepared for you is his will. God's will is for you to inherit what he has. But the question is, when we talk about the idea of the will of God, the will of God, many people, if you ask how they're doing, I don't know if you heard this term, many people say, I'm living the dream, just living the dream. You know, I'm like, what's the dream? You know, what is the dream that you're living, right? Or the, we say we have the American dream. Uh, many times when we use the will of God, we say, oh, just let his will be done. And we say it as if we don't even know it. But did you know it's possible to know it? Let's look at this. What is the will of God? Well, the Greek word, thelema, it's an act of will, wishes, or it's also desires or pleasure. A way theologians define this is God's will is his preferred will or his best offer. In other words, God's will is what pleases him. It's what pleases God. Look at 1 Samuel 2.35. I will raise up for myself, God says, a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. The will of God is tied to his desires, which is what's in his heart and what he thinks about within his mind. 2019, I think it was, no, 2018? Yeah, it was 2018, okay. 2018, uh, as we first first moved here, the Lord said, I'm sending you to Fort Worth the first Monday in March in 2018 up in Washington State. Four months later, we come here and move. Don't have a job, but my wife does, driving me crazy. Lord, what do I do? Um, I, I enter it into real estate. And as I was going to my real estate office, uh, my time with the Lord was still lingering. I think it was one of those mornings where I woke up a little late, so I was just grumpy when I was with God, and then I was grumpy when I just took him with me because I didn't have as much time as I wanted. Anybody else had that before? Anybody else had that before? So I was glad we hung out, but I was grumpy. It wasn't as long as I wanted. And as I'm driving to my office, I feel like there's something he wants to tell me. So I, I go into my office. Uh, I stop before I engage in things. In a split second, I hear the Lord say, get out your journal. And so I get out my journal. And I got this blank piece of paper, and I, I got a pencil assuming I need to like write something. And I heard the Lord say, Write down promises. So I write down promises on the top right of my piece of paper. Uh, he says, uh, write down assignments. So I write down assignments in the top left of the piece of the paper. And he says, write down resources. So I write down resources in the middle of the piece of the paper. And the Lord asked me, what are the promises I've given you? And I started writing down a few, few things he spoke. He's like, what are the assignments I've asked you to do? I'm like, well, come and plant mercy culture. Okay, so I wrote that down. What are the resources I've given you? And I'm like, well, I'm standing here in a real estate office. So you're providing through real estate right now. And the Lord began to show me, essentially he told me, this is my will. This is how you live my will. Promises, assignments, and resources. And so there are three parts that the Lord has been showing me when it comes to his will I want to share with you. Part one is promises. Numbers 13, 2. Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. So what is the promise of God to Israel? Well, we, we heard it later in the inheritance. It's the land of Canaan. So what are the promises of God when we think of that term promises of God? They are the things he has spoken to you that only he can accomplish, only he can do. If God has spoken something to you and you can't do it, it's probably a promise from him. Uh, the promises of God are the portions of inheritance that he has prepared for you. So my question is what promises has God spoken over your life? Your role with promises is to trust that God will accomplish what he said. Your role is not to do it, it's to let him do it and trust that he will. What does it mean to trust God? 
Well, we have the term we use in the church, faith. Hebrews 6.12, look at this. Through faith and patience, inherit the promises of God. So there's faith and there's patience. Faith is the key that takes you to receiving his promises, trusting him. Why, what, what is faith? Uh, Hebrews 11, if you look through there, it's the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Hebrews 11, it talks about this. It says, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Uh, I love it. Even my seven-year-old knows that when he reads different science books. He's like, God, they, uh, uh, Zeta says, Dad, like, they, they say that it just happened. Like there's this combustion of molecules. And I don't know, maybe when God spoke, things like, like combust or whatever. But he's saying they think it just happened. And obviously the term Big Bang Theory out there. Uh, maybe after he spoke, there was a bang. But you know what my seven-year-old knows is God spoke. That's how things exist. So I'm grateful that we're raising a generation of seven-year-olds that can tell the world he spoke. I, I wonder if, if the, the removal of God speaking because it just doesn't make sense it actually has hindered the church from hearing because we're like, well, the earth doesn't exist because a being spoke because that just doesn't make sense. What makes sense is things randomly appeared and ran into each other, <laughs> right? But here's the thing is, if we recognize the power of speaking, that influences our whole life. So God spoke. And it says here, uh, Hebrews eleven six. 6, without faith, it is impossible to please him. And in the world, what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So if God created the whole world out of his words, when nothing was yet, then when he speaks a promise and you don't know how it's going to happen, it makes sense. Because he creates things out of nothing. But it comes from him speaking. Faith is trusting God will do what he says. If we look at our main passage here, Numbers 13, look at Caleb and Joshua, what was their response? But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. They had faith. They trusted God. They remembered what, what God said. Go spy out the land that I will give you. Okay? If you look at the next chapter, 1438, look at the fruit of Joshua and Caleb's faith response. Of those men, God is speaking to Moses, who went to spy out the land, only Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remained alive. So get this. God told Moses, those two will remain alive. The others died, and the current generation had to die off starting at the age of 20. But those who had faith of what God said and what he promised that he would do it remained alive and were able to enter into the promised land. Because of their faith, they were spared and able to enter into the promised land. Uh, let's remind you of some other Bible figures. Assuming you've heard some of these stories, Noah had faith to prepare a flood, likely when he had not even seen rain, many theologians believe. So imagine being told, build a big boat, water's gonna fill the earth, and you're like, you know, essentially, what's water? <laughs> what rain? Abraham had faith when he did not know where God was taking him. Go into land that I will show you. Have you ever went somewhere not knowing where you're going, but God said to go? <laughs> Sarah had faith to conceive when she was too old. Moses' parents had faith in the unique calling of their own son, son's life by hiding him. Uh, Moses, by faith, called for Pharaoh to deliver the Hebrews. He felt served by faith to go to a leader or politician and say, hey, uh, stop endorsing witchcraft or something like that. 
Uh, Israel by faith passed through the Red Sea while being pursued by the Egyptians. You got a Red Sea. Moses, God said, go this way, put your staff down. The Red Sea parts and you walk. That takes some faith. Uh, David by faith conquered kingdoms. Uh, Daniel by faith entered into a lion's den whose mouths were shut by the angel of the Lord and he entered into a fiery furnace and then Jesus appeared with him and then walked out untouched. You have the disciples by faith left everything to follow Jesus. Paul by faith wrote letters in prison and ministered to governors and leaders. And now the church by faith, we continue to spread the gospel throughout nations. The question is, what happens if you don't trust God when it comes to promises? Well, let's find out. Numbers 13, 31, the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able. So this is the other 10 spies response after Joshua and Caleb spoke with faith. We're not able to go up against the people. Number one, they're stronger. Verse 32, uh, it says they brought a bad report. The land devours its inhabitants. And the people we saw of great height, we saw the Nephilim believed to be essentially people of giants. We seem like grasshoppers ourselves. In fact, it seemed like they knew we were grasshoppers, is what it says. What was the fruit of their distrust in God? Well, you look at the next chapter, 14, 11 through 12, the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me? In spite of all the signs that I have done among them, I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. That word disinherit, yarash, means to dispossess. So you have God wanting to give an inheritance, but then you find people who are not trusting God will give it, and so he takes it and will give it to somebody who trusts him. See, disbelief leads to disinheriting the promises of God. If you find yourself frustrated with your life of, why aren't I experiencing what they're experiencing? My question to you is this, do you believe that he'll do what he said? If you're like, well, I don't know what he's told me, then ask. Ask him, what are his promises for you? Not trusting God keeps you away from the promises of God. You see, God's not trying to keep you away from his promises. It's your response that will take you in or keep you away. So that's part one of the will of God is promises. Let's look at the second part. Assignments, Numbers 13, verse two. What does God say? Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel from each tribe. So what's the assignment? Go spy, send men to the land. So what are the assignments of God? Simply this, the things God has asked you to do. God's assignments are the things he has asked you to do. What is your role with his assignments? To obey it, to do what God has asked you to do. A life of obeying assignments leads to a life of experiencing God's promises. Obedience, you could say, is a seed for inheritance. And every act of obedience I make, keep your eyes on your wife, not on others. Raise up your children in my ways. It's each act of obedience. Move to Fort Worth. Even when asked to preach, I'm asking, what do you want to say? That's even a seed of obedience. Instead of like, oh, figure something out, right? Every act is a seed of obedience for inheritance. An act of obedience is a seed planted to prepare you for the promises of God. 10 of the 12 spies obeyed God. Actually, all 12 obeyed God. 
but 10 of them didn't trust him. Interesting how you can obey God, but then still not trust him after, well, I did what he said. I moved to Waco. Now what? Are you still trusting him? Are you still believing him? Trusting, trusting God will fulfill his promises. Sorry, to trust God, you'll find the fulfillment of his promises while you obey his assignments. Obey his assignments, he's fulfilling the promise. Obey his assignments, trust he's doing it. So what are the assignments he's given you to obey? While you do your part, trust him. What are some others that God gave assignments to? Adam and Eve, care for the garden and eat of all but one tree. Abraham, go to land which he did not know. You know what the next verse says? <clears throat> so he went. Go to a place that you don't know where I'm sending you. You got it. <clears throat> some of you are complaining you were sent to Waco, but Abraham was sent to somewhere. <laughs> he just got in the car. He has his whole family. Like, All right, guys, where are we going, Dad? I don't know. <laughs> Could you just imagine, am I going left or am I going right? Sarah, her assignment was to believe God would provide a son. Uh, Moses, to tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. Hey, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Got it. Israel, have no other gods but me. Jonah, go to Nineveh. No, swallowed by fish, let's do it. <laughs> right? The disciples, leave everything and follow me. Sure. Hey, there's somebody that passed, let the dead bury themselves, just come follow me. Paul, to preach the gospel. Oh, he did it. And the church, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Promises, assignments. The third thing is resources when it comes to the will of God. Numbers 13.30. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it. What does he say in the second part? We are well able. Everybody say well able. To overcome it. What is the resources provided by God here? We don't exactly know. But you know what we do know? Caleb believed they had enough. He said, oh, we're able. People who have just been wandering around the desert, not having a place, we are able to go conquer a place that has a lot of established kingdoms. Look at that faith. Oh, we have enough. God has provided enough for us to go take this land. What are the resources of God? They're the ways God decides to provide for you. Your role is to trust his provisions. Trust that he'll provide for you or trust that he has provided for you already. You know, there's this leadership standard that we have tithe within the culture of mercy culture. So we expect, we have five, we expect our leaders to tithe. So the expectation, in other words, is if you cannot, if we cannot trust you with God's money, we cannot trust you with his people who are his true treasure, his true possession. So even the act of giving 10% to the local church that I commit to is showing trust that he has provided for me and he's provided enough. Even giving him back 10% is showing that I trust he will make up for the 10%, but also acknowledging it's all his. Who else has God provided for? Well, Adam and Eve, they had all they needed. Abraham took what he had. He said, go to land, which... I will tell you, it says he just took all his stuff and his family and they went. So he trusted they had enough for this journey. They didn't know how long it was because they didn't know where they were going. God provided the ability for Sarah's body to conceive. God provided the Hebrew supplies from the Egyptians. 
that they were stirred with faith to ask the Egyptians for supplies from their cap, the ones that kept them in captivity, and they give them supplies. Did you know, even those who keep you in captivity, God will even give you their supplies. Even what's that verse that says the wealth of the nations belongs to the righteous? So if you're like, well, we don't have enough, don't you know in the kingdom he actually transfers wealth that it all belongs to him, but wealth that's in evil hands, he knows how to get it to his people, to his kingdom. God provided for the 5,000 from five loaves and two fish. Even if you open your fridge, say, or you use that grocery budget at Costco already, you're like, God will provide. God provided a coin in a fish's mouth for taxes. Try to figure out pay taxes, just go fishing. It's all right, Lord. God provided his church, us, the empowerment of his Holy Spirit. I want to share some benefits of doing the will of God. So will of God consists of promises, assignments, resource. But there's five benefits I want you to know in doing the will of God. First one is you get the ability to operate in discernment. John 7, 17. He, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. So even in being in the will of God, I can discern who is speaking of God and who is just fibbing and flibbing and saying their own thing. A second benefit doing the will of God is receiving the promises of God, Hebrews 10, 36. You have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. A third benefit of doing the will of God is a blessed lineage. I like this one. I felt like I just saw a blessed lineage just worshiping, seeing the young ones lead us in worship, the young ones down here. Acts 22 through 23 you find in 23, talking about David, of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a savior. So out of David seeking God's will, that his lineage was blessed. And his lineage was a part of bringing about the savior, Jesus. Fourth benefit of doing the will of God is eternal life. 1 John 2, 17. Whoever does the will of God abides or lives forever. Fifth one. A benefit in doing the will of God is entrance to the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So even just saying one prayer, it says, isn't the entrance to heaven. It is the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. So it's not a one-time prayer, but it is a daily decision to follow him. A life of doing his will. This is what I want you to know is God has given you the ability to know his will. You are able it is possible you've been given the ability to know the will of God. Yeah. Ephesians 1.9, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. He has made known in Jesus the mystery, the secrets, or his desires to you. You see, God didn't create us to do what he wants, but make it impossible to not know what he wants. That's abuse. But he created you to know him so you can know what he wants in order to do what he wants. Matthew 13, 11, to you it has been given to know the secrets or the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So how do you, how do you find out the will of God? Well, there's two parts. The first one is this right here. It's the word. Even as you're learning to hear the voice of God, you can hear him by reading this. I remember one of my greatest prayers as a teenager I prayed this almost every day. Help me want to read the Bible because I had no desire 
I grew up in church. I knew I should want to, but I didn't want to. So I said, Lord, help me want to, want to read your word. And it sounds so silly, but I love this word. And he even met that silly little question in helping me stir up a desire. Psalm 48 says this, I delight to do your will, oh my God, your law is within my heart, the law, the word of the Lord. So the word of God being in our hearts stirs a desire to do his will. I have yet to meet somebody who desires to do the will of God, but does not read this. Almost everybody I meet, though, who loves this and reads this and carries it in their heart is trying their best to do his will. If you're like, I just don't know how to do his will, just read this. I don't know what to read. Just, just open it. Well, like, I don't, now look at all those words. Where do I start? I don't know. Let's just read something random right now. Like, just read it. And like, well, I read that sentence. It didn't make sense. Just keep reading. Keep reading. Keep reading. He'll speak. How do you find out the will of God? The word of God. That second part is, it's his voice. Because he has a voice. John 12, 49 through 50. I have spoken, not of my own authority, but the father Jesus is who has sent me, has given himself to me a commandment. What to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. What do we hear here? Jesus saying, the, sp- the Father has spoken to me. You always wondered what Jesus did when it said he went, went to the other side of the mountain, when he got away while it's still dark in the morning, and Jesus slipped away. He was listening to the voice of the Father. He was connecting with God, sounds like many times in solitude and in creation, and just listening. He speaks. You're able to hear God's voice. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus and you're seeking to please him, know this, you can hear him. It's easy to hear him when you're in his presence. All you do is enter. Start with this, just show up. Just show up. You showed up here. Now tomorrow morning or tonight, just show up. Show up in his presence. One of our connect with God ways we've identified is called conversation. This is one of my favorite ways to connect with God. In conversation, we say the Lord is wanting, uh, conversation with the Lord is wanting God to be involved in every aspect of your life. You desire to know what is on his heart and his mind. Inquiring with God brings you into his presence. Uh, You can text conversation or connect to our all-inclusive number 590-90 for more info. But I love getting away with the Lord in solitude and asking him questions. And then as I listen to him speak, I just write it down. Well, how do you know he spoke? The more you go to him and the more you listen, the more you'll begin to recognize his voice. You'll begin to recognize what is him, what you think is yourself. And many times you'll recognize, oh, that is definitely the enemy. When things don't align with the word of God, it's likely the enemy. If it aligns with the Lord, it's likely the Lord. Many times when you hear God, it sounds like yourself. Most of the time, I don't hear this audible voice, but I hear him speaking within my mind, and I trust that I'm hearing him. And you know, it's okay to learn to hear his voice. You know how you practice this? Tell somebody else, I felt my spirit, the Lord said this. Does that sound like him? Whether they say yes or no, you're growing. You're growing in relationship with him. How do you do the will of God? Well, first thing, there's two parts. Say what he says. 
So Jesus said, I speak what the Father told me. We just read in John 12, 49 through 50. So say what he said. What did God tell you? Now speak it out loud. Go look in the mirror. Say what he said. Write it out in your journal. Say it another time. Go to a trusted leader, friend, who loves the Lord and is also learning to hear his voice. Say what he said. You say it out loud. There is this verbal action that stirs your faith. And not only do you say what he says, uh, but then you record it. So like I said, write it down. I have a separated notes section on my phone. Uh, one of them is questions for God. So I'll just ask questions. And then when I hear a response at some time, what's wild is many times before I even finish writing down the question, I get the answer. And so then I write down the answer with the question. And at times also I have uh, just words that the Lord is speaking to me. I don't know what they mean, how I'm gonna do them, who they're for, but I just write them down. Record what he says. That's what the Bible is, recording what God spoke. You see, when God speaks, really, it's what we call prophecy. Prophecy is a fancy word for hearing God and saying what he says. So did you know you could even stir your faith, that's the goal of prophecy, to build up when you speak out loud what God has spoken to you? So you're like, man, all these people, they're like getting these words from these pastors and leaders, but like I haven't gotten one yet. You know, the best prophetic words I've ever received are directly from God. The best ones. Greater than any other prophet is just hearing him and writing down what he said. Many times I'll find myself reminding me the promises God has spoken over me. Say, God, you said this. I trust you. Not only do you say what he says in the will of God, but then you do it. You do what he says. Jesus only did the Father's will, we find in John 5, 19. Hebrews 13 says God has equipped you to do his will. And you go where he wants you to go. The Lord told us, I'm sending you to Fort Worth. All right. 99% of our circle of support thought it was foolish. But we're like, all right, he told us to go. So if that's foolish, then I'm just a fool for my whole life. I'm just going to do foolish things. You go where he wants you to go. Uh, Mercy Culture planted a Fort Worth because God told Pastor Landon, you could plant a church here. He chose Fort Worth. He chose Pastor Landon and Pastor Heather. God, God had his eyes and heart on Waco. He chose Pastor Les, Pastor Nikki to be in Waco. God chose you to be in Waco. God chose the city. Our elders and leaders saw a vision of a man in the city of Dallas doing this, waving hands, beckoning to come. God chose Dallas and he asked, he's asking us to go. And so God chose Pastor Clay, Pastor Lindsay, and he chose the city. And so we're going. We go where he wants us to go. And then in doing what he says, you get what he wants you to get. There's this beautiful story in 2 Samuel 23 of David saying, oh, how I desire. I desire to drink from the well of Bethlehem that is by the gate. Now, this is where the enemy encampment was. So three of his mighty men busted through the enemy lines, drew some water, and brought it back to the king. And David, in humility, poured it out, saying, who am I to receive this? Let this be an offering to the Lord. What we do in obeying God is we get what he wants. We get what the king wants to give back to him. So we are taking Waco to give to him because he wants Waco. And God gets or inherits what he wants by inviting you to be a part of his inheritance. And as you are part of Jesus's inheritance, the whole world is his, is his he wants to give you a portion. So he wants to give you Waco. And as you get Waco, who do you give it back to? Him. 
So as you get what he wants to get you, then he gets what he wants in the end. And that's Waco. Invite the band up as we prepare to wrap up. I have a few questions for you. And how do you know if you're living in the will of God? I asked these for myself too and was greatly challenged. And if I live in the will of God, because we're talking about not just moments, we're talking about always. First question, you ask God what he wants. You align your life with the word of God. You know the assignments God has given you. You trust God will provide the necessary resources. You act like you believe God will do what he says. And not act like, like you fake it, but your actions show that you believe him. You do everything you do to please God. For example, I work where I work because this is where he wants me. I'm a part of this campus because this is where he told me to go. I live in the city because that's where he asked my family to go. Children are in that school because God has given us assignments to be in that school. I'm in this neighborhood because God has placed us in this neighborhood. There is reason and purpose to everything you do when you recognize he has a will that you're able to know. And as you know and discover his will, you'll find everything you do is on assignment, is on purpose, because he's fulfilling his promises and he has resources to provide for you. The last thing, how do you know you're living in the will of God? You seek out what would please him. You intentionally ask. Another way to say this is you ask him what he wants. What do you want me to do today? Where do you want me to work? Do you still want me to work here? Do you want me to apply for that promotion? Is that your will? Is this the campus you want us to be a part of? I don't have a home church yet. Where is my home church? Ask questions and let him tell you. He'll tell you. So we have uh, two options essentially in life. First one is live to please him. When you please him, you receive your spiritual inheritance. Second option is you live to please yourself and you're on your own to make your own inheritance. I desire option one. In my 20s, I wrestled with option two. I desire to please him, the king. First Peter 4, 2, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions but for the will of God. No longer live for the flesh but for his will. Your feelings will help you live for your flesh. But his voice and his word will help you live for his will. I just want to invite you all to stand up with me. Your spiritual inheritance is found in the will of God. So in the will of God, what the Lord told me in 2018, I tell you, Mercy Culture Waco, hold on to my promises, says the Lord. Obey my assignments and trust my resources. Pastor Les, Pastor Nikki, Mercy Culture Waco, weeks ago, I heard this question from the Lord. I heard him say, what is your spiritual inheritance, Waco? But I heard him asking you, so that's why I'm saying it to you. So get past my words and my tone, and in this moment, hear the Lord. What is your spiritual inheritance, Waco? Of course he knows, 
but he's asking, do you know? I heard the Lord say, do you know that I've called this city? Do you know what I've called this city to be? Do you know why I've brought you here, Mercy Culture Waco? Have you forgotten your assignment? Have you grown weary? I heard the Lord say, have faith. Believe that I will see you through the end. Believe that I will fulfill my promises to you. Believe that I will fulfill my will in Waco. Believe that I have the resources. Do you know the assignments I have given you in this season? You don't know, ask me. If you know, steward them. Trust me that I will do what I promised you. Over the city of Waco, as I was meditating on the city with my eyes closed, I heard in my spirit rushing waters. And immediately I got drawn to the Brazos River. And so as I went on to the good old Google, this 840 mile giant river, I felt stirred to look into this river and the significance. Uh, dating back to the 1700s, this word Brazos came from this term, Los Brazos de Dios, meaning the arms of God. And there's two legends that are common within the name origin. There is the Spanish conquistador Francisco Vasquez de Coronado. He had a team searching for a golden city and they were dying of thirst, wandering in West Texas. And Indians guided them to a stream, which they called the arms of God. The second legend was a group of Spanish sailors surveyed a storm in the Gulf of Mexico. They ran out of fresh water on the breach of death. They found the Brazos and finding essentially their salvation. I heard rushing rivers of water in the city. And I, and I keep getting reminded, there keeps being this drawing of water, at least the words and things I sense in Waco, there's this water theme that the Lord keeps bringing up over the city. Waco, I heard the Lord say, you are a well of fresh water. I have chosen you for others to come and draw from. I have chosen you for others to drink from. Pastor Les, Pastor Nikki, I want to submit, I saw this vision of the Finnish Mercy Culture Waco building, but in front of the building, in the center, I saw this well. And I don't know if it's literal or just uh, allegorical, but I saw this well representing this is the place where people can draw from. And not only did I feel in my spirit that Mercy Culture Waco is to be a well, but God has called the city to be a well. But Mercy Culture Waco, you are the first digging to remain full of water. I feel in my spirit the Lord saying there are many dry wells that have been dug, but I've chosen you to be the one that stays full. So I say, Mercy Culture Waco, stay full. We speak to the future, five years, 10 years, 50 years of Mercy Culture Waco. We say, be a well that stays full. Be a well for many to come, for people from nations to come and draw from. Lord, you have your eyes on Waco. You've chosen Waco to be a place for people to draw from. If you desire to hear a promise from the Lord or a reminder of the promise from the Lord, 
I just want to invite you to take a step and just find a place up on the front where you're saying, Lord, I want to know what is a promise you have for my life. And we're about to engage with God through conversation where we ask him questions. And as you enter up here with your own words, just ask him, what is a promise you have over my life? Just as I heard the Lord speak promises over Mercy Culture Waco, so the Lord wants to speak promises over you individually. May you leave here with a promise from the Lord. And may you leave here knowing an assignment he's given you. Hmm. Second call is if, if, if you're already up here, it's fine. But second call is if you want clarity or you desire to know assignments that God has for you. You want to get clarity and find out. Or the question may be, what are we doing in life right now? I want to find out why we are here. If you want to get clarity, an assignment God has given you to obey, you can just find space on the front or on the altar. With your own words, begin asking the Lord. Engage in conversation. What is a promise you have over my life? And let him speak. Maybe you need to have your phone out ready to write in notes. Or if you got a journal to write in, be ready to write what he speaks. What is an assignment you've given me? What have you called me to obey in this moment?